It's always nice to be uh, here, and I want to say thanks to Pastor Eddie and Miss Amanda. I worked for Pastor Eddie for ten and a half years, and uh, in all good Tennessee, I joined the staff in '91. And uh, I, I, like I said, I was uh, one of the assistants on staff or one of the associates. We had a great run. The church has grown. God is good. And uh, we have still continued on, 15 acres. It's all paid for. We don't have any debt. We bought 117 more in the south, going to build a new campus and plant a church in the fall. And how many of y'all believe God is good? Amen. And so uh, we're excited. And man, it's good to see all of y'all here. This is some kind of community. Man, every time I come here, there's new buildings And uh, so you guys are, this is a growing place, I'll just say that, all right? Today we're going to talk about the five points of blessing from the blood. But before we do, put your right hand over your heart. Make this confession with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm ready to receive the engrafted word, which is able to change my mind so I can have new actions, so I get new results that are pleasing to you. Let the word rise up. I'll be a good steward. And I'm believing you for a manifestation of the Spirit of God in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, I like to start with something a little funny this morning. So I hope you like this. If you don't, well, I'm going to read it anyway. So uh, praise the Lord. We're just taking up a couple of moments of time in that case. All right, here we go. 40-year-old bachelor was looking for the perfect wife, someone who was a mixture between Betty Crocker and Jennifer Aniston. And one day on a business trip, he sat down on the plane, and, as, uh, and down the aisle came the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. And as fate would have it, she sat next to him. He took a deep breath and asked, What type of man attracts a beautiful woman like you? What is it you're looking for? in a man. And the lady sat and thought for a moment, and then she said, well, I like Native American men because they're tall, dark, and handsome. And then there's something about me that likes Jewish men because they're rich and intellectual. And then she kind of grinned a little bit, and she said, and then there's that wild streak in me that likes a redneck a guy that drives a pickup truck with a gun in the back and a dog in the back of the truck. I really like that kind of guy. She batted her eyes at him a couple of times and then said, by the way, what's your name? To which he replied, my name is Geronimo Goldberg, but my friends call me Bubba. (laughs) Hey, I understand we got uh, Bubba down here on the front row. I am so sorry. You got to understand I'm from Mississippi, right? I, I, I went to Ole Miss. I got a banking degree. Did 10 years in the banking business before I went to Bible school. And uh, so uh, when we would be at Ole Miss, my best friend that I grew up with, his name was Bubba Malselli. Can you imagine an Italian guy called Bubba? And so uh, anyway, that was his name. I know, you know, I mean, it's the only place I know where you can get on the loudspeaker during a football game and say, Bubba, you left your lights on the parking lot. 20,000, 30,000 people will get up and head for the exit. So that's just the way it is. Revelation chapter 5. Come on, get your Bible out. We're going to Revelation chapter 5. I love the Word of God. Turn along with us today. I think there's going to be some notes up here on the screen. And so I want to say thanks, guys, for all your help in the back. Ladies, I don't know if it's ladies or guys, but thank you very much. 
And I appreciate it. Here we go. Revelation 5, verse number 9. Remember, we're talking about the five points of blessing from the blood. We're only a week away from celebrating the resurrection. And let me tell you something, saints. Before there could be a resurrection, there had to be a beating and blood had to flow. All right? And so uh, we, uh, we're going to talk about that today. Here we go. Verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11, a couple of pages over. Just turn over to Revelation 12 and verse number 11 and here's what it says. And they, talking about the redeemed, overcame him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Today we want to talk about the five points of blessing from the blood. We're a week out from celebrating the resurrection, and I want you to know Jesus endured punishment on our behalf. And every place that he endured punishment, you and I gained victory. So what we're going to talk about today, and what we're going to look at is that his blood purchased something for us, but while purchasing something for us, it also delivered us from something. And so it's important that we begin to understand that. In fact, Matthew 26 and verse number 28 says this, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Notice that Jesus said the new covenant. Everybody say new. All right, now I like a little participation, okay? Remember, if I ask questions, I give answers, okay? So we, this is a fail-proof test, all right? And so uh, I just want to get you to help me out just a little bit, okay? But he said the new covenant, the new covenant is formed by his blood. Now listen, every time God made covenant with man, there was a shedding of blood. Anytime a covenant is ratified under the Old Testament, there had to be the shedding of blood. And it was the same thing for the New Covenant. In fact, John, anybody remember John the Baptist? He was baptized and he saw Jesus coming off. I believe it's in John chapter 2. And he looks and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Notice what he says. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All right. In other words, he's proclaiming that Jesus is a lamb. There had to be a lamb. It had to be spotless, without blemish, without sin. There could be nothing wrong with it. He lived a perfect life. He had no sin in him. There was no guile. And so because of him and his work, when he was slain, he purchased for us the ability to have all of our sins forgiven. How many of y'all are glad about that? You no longer have to carry that. And so Jesus said it was his blood that began the new covenant and every covenant had to be ratified by blood. Now, understanding what the blood of Jesus has done for us, we need to begin to have faith in the blood of Jesus. Most churches don't even talk about the blood anymore. But we need to remember that there was blood shed for us. Jesus took a beating before he ever went to the cross. All right? So there is blood being shed. And at every point where his blood sheds, he's purchasing something that's, that is excellent for us. And so we've learned, we've learned how, to, how to appropriate faith. Every time we preach the word of God, faith comes into the house. Those who receive it and act upon it, then faith becomes active. Those who reject it, they walk out uh, without anything in their life changing. But we've learned how to appropriate faith in the word. Now we need to learn to appropriate some faith in the blood of Jesus, understanding what his blood has done for us. In fact, faith in the blood comes by knowing what the blood has ratified for us. 
And we do that by getting into the Word of God and realizing that we're cleansed by the blood, forgiven by the blood, have victory by the blood, have protection by the blood, overcome by the blood, have a pure conscience by the blood. We have protection, forgiveness of sins, and freedom from the curse, all because of the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary. Now, saints of God, if that don't do anything for you, wood's wet. And at the end of the service, we'll give an altar call. I'm telling you right now, God is good, and His plan of redemption, His plan of salvation is beyond good. Can you say amen to that? And so it's important that we understand. Everything we have comes because of the blood, and we have to, we have to be empowered by this blood. How many of y'all have ever heard somebody pray and they say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my... Anybody ever? How many of y'all have ever done that yourself? Oh, Yeah. You plead the blood over your family. You plead the blood over your home. You plead the blood over your place of business. You plead the blood over your... I plead the blood over my bank accounts. How many of y'all know in this volatile place, uh, this volatile time in our economy, we need a little pleading over that too, amen? So we plead the blood over everything we have and everything we do. And so you have to appropriate the blood every day. So when Jesus died, there were five areas. Everybody say five. Five points of blessing from this blood. So let's get into it, all right? Here we go. Five points of blessing from the blood of Jesus. If you're taking notes, write it down. Here we go. Number one, the first point of blessing was from his back, all right? The back. Look at John 19, verse 1. Listen to what he says in John 19, verse 1. So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Now, I like this translation. New Living says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Here's what you need to understand, saints of God. When Jesus went to the scourging, and those of us who went to, uh, to Israel, I know there were some, some groups, the good ones are sitting back here. We all went over last uh, end of, uh, what was it, October? I mean November, beginning of December, and we go into the bottom of the place they believed to be Caiaphas' house, where they would have scourged Jesus, where they would have beat him. Now, you've got to understand something, saints. We, we talk about these 39 stripes like, uh, you've, you know, like somebody's been whipped, and there's little 39 little red marks on his back. I want you to know something. The Romans were brutal people. And when they inflicted harm, that's exactly what they intended to do. They wanted to beat you so that you would remember. Very few men survived the 39 stripes that they would receive. 39 times. It was, a, it was an actual, it would be a, a whip type thing that you could put your hand around. And the, the uh, leather pieces that protruded from it were somewhere around 12 to 15 inches long. Inside each of these leather strips, they had little lead tips. And so when they would swing that thing, they would pop the wrist so that the the metal in the ends of those leather things would catch flesh and literally tear it open. Now, Jesus is not getting your ordinary beating over here. He's paying a price for us for a reason. And it's important that you and I understand. In fact, listen to this. When his back was pierced by the Roman scourge, Jesus' blood purchased for you and I healing in our body. And he delivered us from sickness and disease. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good swap. In other words, you take on his health, he took on your sickness. And that's literally what it means. Listen to this in Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Everybody say, many. See, ain't that amazing? Did you ever notice where Jesus encountered most of his demons? They were at the synagogue. I'll just leave that alone. 
What is it you said? Evangelists come in, they blow in, they blow up, and they blow out. I'll just leave that alone, Pastor Eddie won't have anything to clean up when he comes back. But I'm just telling you right now, the religious devils always hang out at church. <laughs> Thank you for your hearty enthusiasm. Let's move on. All right. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all. Everybody say all. You notice it doesn't say he only healed one or two. It doesn't say he healed some. It says he healed all. He was demonstrating what this covenant was going to give to each and every one of us. If you'll notice before this, there's not the healing of all. There's always healing of some. Listen, you and I are always limited in what we can do in the body of Christ. But Jesus had the full measure of the Spirit. He had the full measure of the anointing operating on His life. He was the whole body of Christ. And He operated with that authority and healed all. And then He secured that for us with His blood when He was beaten with a Roman scourge. In fact, listen to verse 17 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmity and bore our sickness. Now, in the Greek, the word infirmity literally means diseases, implication by illness, disability, and weakness. That's what Jesus took upon himself. And literally, the word took, I've got it up on the screen, the word took means to receive. So you can say it, if you want to, you can say it like this, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Uh, he, Jesus, received our disease, incapacitation by illness, disability, weakness. And then he goes on to say, and bore our sickness. The word bore means to remove to a distant place that you cannot find. And the word sickness means the state of being diseased or sick. I want you to know, when he endured that beating, blood flowed. And when the blood flowed, it purchased for you and I the ability to receive and live in divine health. Now you've got to understand, we live in a cursed world. How many of y'all figured that out? We're in a cursed world. The curse works. Not everybody's going to be healed because not everybody's going to believe. There are a lot of things that go into healing. All right? So, you know, right away people say, well, if somebody's not getting, being healed, they must be in sin. You can't say that about everybody. Remember John 9 when he encountered the blind man? They said, why did this happen to him? Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. Everybody say, neither. So you can't always say that the person who's sick is in sin. Well, that's good preaching. Well, thank you very much. See, we get so messed up in our thinking. But what I am saying to you is that healing is available to every person under the new covenant. Everybody say, it's available. All right, so he purchased healing and delivered you from sickness. And then in 2 Peter 2, 24 says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That word stripes literally means bruised. He was beyond bruising, saints. I want to tell you something right now. If you had been there that day to see what had taken place with Jesus, by the time they got done with him and got him up to Golgotha where they were going to hang him on the cross, you probably would not have recognized him as Jesus. And I want you to know something. When the Romans beat you, they didn't bandage you like we do today. They didn't coddle any man. They would beat the fire out of them, throw them in prison, hope they would die at the, by the end of the night, you know, when the next day when they would perform their judgment. They hoped they would die overnight. It would be easier for them to take them and throw them off an old cliff or stick them in the ground somewhere than it would be to have to go out there and put that cross up because somebody had to stay and watch and make sure they didn't get down, make sure they died. How many of y'all are glad Jesus took your place? Amen? All right, number two. Let's talk about his head. 
The second place was his head. Now, in John 19, if I can get this out of here, in John chapter 19, verse 1, listen to what it says. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him, or put on him a purple robe. Now, I want you to look. This is a little crown of thorns. I want you to see those. Now, you say, well, you know, this is the way we, you know, we've got, how many of y'all believe we live in a fairy tale land? Almost, it's almost unreal, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. But when they would put this on people's head, they wouldn't just set it on there. When the Romans put this on him, they mashed it until the thorns would be inside, underneath the skin of, of, of Jesus. Josephus tells us that. That those thorns stuck into his head. And when he did, blood flowed. Everybody say blood. How many of y'all are glad for the blood of Jesus? I mean, these things hurt. And, and the blood would flow. So with the crown of thorns on the head, his blood was shed and it signified, now listen, that he purchased for us. Everybody say he purchased. What did he purchase? The blessing. And we were delivered from the curse. Now you're sitting there thinking, now wait a minute, I thought maybe it might be a renewed mind. No, it's not a renewed mind. We'll cover that a little bit later. What the reality of this thing is, is that the blessing was conferred upon a person on his head. When, when the, the father, remember when Isaac conferred blessing on Jacob, he put his hand, his right hand is the hand of blessing. Everybody say right. It's the hand of blessing. And he would lay it on the head of his oldest child and confer the blessing onto that child. The priest would lay a hand. Listen, we have a doctrine in the church whereby we pray for the sick and it's called the doctrine of what? Laying on of what? Hands. Now understand this, saints of God. The, the head was where the blessing was. But not only that, but when the curse came on us, this is where it affected us. It came on us, it starts at the top and moves its way down. Listen to this. The curse came because of sin with the disobedience of Adam. And any time you're in disobedience, you cannot remain in the blessing of the Lord. The devil has a door. Remember Cain and Abel? The, 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 the Bible says that the Lord came to Cain. He said, sin is crouching at your door. You have a door. You open that door with disobedience. You keep that door shut with obedience. If you've been obedient and sin has come in, close it quickly by getting right with God. And when you get right with God, the blood of Jesus seals your door shut so that the enemy can't get into your life. You have to close that door. And one of the Jesus' purposes was to come and purchase back for us the blessing. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says that for this purpose the Son of Man has come, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Everybody say destroy. The word destroy literally means to reduce to zero. That means in your life, Satan has zero ability when you're under the blood of Jesus. Because His blood has reduced it to zero. Glory to God. I don't know about y'all, that gets me excited. Man, and all good. I mean, we'd get pumped up over that, all right? Now listen to what he says in, in Isaiah 119. If you are willing, everybody say, I'm willing. And then he says, if you're willing and obedient. Okay, now here comes the key. Because you can be willing and not be obedient. You can actually be obedient and not be willing. All right, we doing okay? Everybody doing okay? Man, you know what I feel like today? Can I tell you? I'm sitting here looking at y'all, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. All right, because I got like a lot of area to cover, and y'all are all looking at me like, what's this guy doing, you know? But hey, how many of y'all are glad the word works? 
Come on, if you believe that, say yes. Now watch this now. He said, if you're willing obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now let me tell you what the word good means. The word good there in the Hebrew literally means you'll eat the best things. Prosperity, beauty, happiness, blessing, and well-being. Whoo! How many of y'all would rather have the blessing instead of the curse? And listen, I want to tell you something right now. We have people going around trying to teach us, you know, we're under the curse of the third and fourth generation. When the blood of Jesus comes on you, the curse is annihilated off your life. Are you hearing me today, saints of God? These are the things that Jesus purchased for us with His blood. And when the crown of thorns was placed on His head, you and I were delivered from the curse and, and uh, we were delivered from the curse and there was placed on us the blessing of God Himself, which is what He intended us to have when we were in the Garden of Eden. All right? Praise the Lord. Let's go to number three. Number three. Maybe you'll like it better. Number three is His hands. Everybody say Hands. Every place, now listen, every place that Jesus shed blood in these five points, it purchased something for every one of us sitting in this building. All right? So blood was released. Now I want to tell you something right now. Jesus first was scourged. Second, he had the crown of thorns. The third thing that happened to him was he had to, you know, he carried his cross up to Golgotha. When they laid that cross on the ground, they put him on it. They nailed his hands first. And when they nailed his hands, there were eight-inch spikes. We're talking almost like railroad spikes that they drove through his hands. Do you remember when, when uh, after Jesus had risen from the grave, the Bible says they were all in an upper room, the doors were shut, the windows were shut, and Jesus appeared in the middle of him. And what's the first thing he did? He said, peace. I, let me tell you something. If all of a sudden Jesus showed up in bodily form right here, you wouldn't be sitting there going, honey, look, it's Jesus. Come on, how many of y'all with me this morning? I believe there'd be a little blood pumping going on, you know. Your heart would give a little bit, hey, where'd that guy come from? And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth would be what? Peace. And then the second thing was, see here my hands and see my side. In other words, he gave proof. Everybody say proof. But when he took those spikes in his hand, listen to this. Blood was relieved was released when the spikes pierced his hands and it purchased for us abundance in life and delivered us from lack and insufficiency in life. And you're sitting there going, are you serious? Absolutely. Remember when the curse came? He said, cursed. He said to Adam, he said, you'll work by the what? Sweat of your brow. He said, the ground is cursed and it's going to produce what? Thorns and... Praise the Lord, Wayne. I can't believe it's a music guy and he's with us. Hallelujah. I thought he was translated somewhere. That's exactly what you get a gold star. You and Gary get gold stars this morning, all right? I'll tell Pastor Eddie, don't you worry. And so, uh, so I forgot where I was. I mean, God, I'm so shocked the music guy got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the ground was cursed. And listen, you had to work by the sweat of your brow. I want to tell you something. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? Oh, some of y'all got that, all right? If he doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But listen to me. Your hands are your symbol of economic productivity in the kingdom of God. They're symbols. And uh, your hands are symbols of this economic capability and strength. Your hands are used to labor and to gain wealth. 
When you go out and do your work, all right? I don't care if you're sitting at a desk. I used to be a banker. I'd sit at a desk. I could work a calculator really good. I could write with my pen. I had to use my mind and I used my hand. But my hands were the things that conveyed what I was doing. When I would make a deal with people, when I would make a loan with people, I'd always end with a handshake. It's a symbol. Everybody say symbol. It's a symbol of your economic capability and your strength. Some of you got soft hands and some of you got calloused hands, depending on what you do. But God has given every one of us an ability and it came because Jesus' blood was shed through his hands to release us. The Bible says that God gives us the ability or the strength to get wealth that we may establish his kingdom in the earth. And the reason he does that is through the hands and he does it so that you and I have the ability to go out and the blessing comes. Yesterday we were out shopping. Took my wife out to, what is it, the avenues? And we were over there shopping. We bought some clothes. How did I give the money? Did I just open my wallet and say, take all you want? No. The only person that does that is my wife. (laughs) By the way, Jada, stand up so everybody can see you. So my beautiful wife, Jada, give her a good hand. Would you do that? I'm going to get in trouble when I get home because I didn't introduce her at front, you know, so I apologize, all right? So look, here we go. You pass money and receive money with what? Your hands. You do it with your hands. It's a symbol of your economic capability. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord will command the blessing. Everybody say blessing. On your storehouses. That's your bank accounts. That's your investments. That's what he's talking about there. He will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your what? Wait, What? hand to do. How about that? Everything you set your hand to. Why? Because it's a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. You pass blessing on to your kids. My son Will. He, uh, he was born with oxygen deprivation. And they told us, they said, that your, your boy will never get beyond a third grade mentality. And so every day, We'd speak the word into him in the morning and then at night before he'd go to bed. We'd speak the word. I laid my hands on his head. Why? Because the anointing that God has given you rests in your hands. So I'd lay my hands on his head and I'd say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that Will Campbell has the mind of Christ. His mind is bright, sharp, alert, quick, receptive, able to process and do all things through Christ who strengthens him. He'll prosper and be in health even as his mind, will, and emotions prosper. See, I'm commanding the blessing. Everybody say command. We're commanding the blessing to come upon him. And he rocked along there and he struggled, man. I mean, there'd be days, you know, that he just, you know, we'd wonder, but we kept believing God. He got into third grade and he was falling way behind. He got into fourth grade and he had to repeat. But I want you to know, during that next year, in that fourth grade, all of a sudden, all those prayers and blessings we had commanded upon him began to engage and he caught up with and passed his classmates and now he's graduated from high school. He's got two years of college under his belt. He's in the Marine Corps. God's given him a good mind. Your hand holds the blessing. Blessing. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. All right. If you believe that this morning, say yes. See, God is commanding a blessing on everything you set your hand to. 
I wish we'd get that down in our spirit. That's why when you go to work, listen to me. I want to say this. I don't mean to hurt anybody or any of that, but I'm going to say this with all my heart. Quit going to work and being bitter. Go to work and give your best and watch the blessing of God cause you to rise up and excel beyond everybody else in that place. Because you cannot deny the blessing of the Lord. You kill your blessing with your mouth. Woo, that's good preaching. Let's move on fast. All right, honey, heat up the car. We're going to be needing to go fast. Here we go. Number four. Now, we talked about his back brought blessing and brought healing to us, got rid of our sickness and disease. We had, we had thorns that brought the blessing, got rid of the curse. We got hands, which, which gives us the, the ability to have abundant life and took away insufficiency and lack. I love that. I love that stuff, all right? Now let's talk about his feet. You mean his feet brought some blessing to us? Yeah. But his feet were dirty. How many of y'all believe that? I mean, they wear them old sandals, walk them old dusty roads. No asphalt back there, all right? They walk them old dusty roads. So here we go. Let's talk about what the blood purchased, us, purchased for us when we, when he, and delivered us from when the spikes were driven into his feet. When they drove the spike into his feet, Deliverance from slavery came and he purchased for us authority. You went from a slave to a son. See, Joseph is the picture. You were in prison, you were enslaved. Listen, everybody, look right here. When they, when they would do slave trade, the first thing they would do to the slaves is they would put chains on their ankles. They would chain them. They would either chain them and put a heavy ball that they had to drag, or they would chain both of their feet together where they could barely walk. How many of y'all have seen that stuff on TV? Where they walk like this and you hear the chains dragging. They call it the chain gang. It's not like on the side of a football field where we're measuring first downs. That's what we call it, chain gang today. All right. Whew. Anybody here know what a football game is? <laughs> All right, here we go. So when they drove these spikes in, you were released from slavery because the blood flowed and he took the shackles off of you. You're no longer now under the command and authority of Satan and sin. You're under the authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You've been set free, all right? In order for us to understand this victory that we've been given, here's three things you need to understand. Number one, man was given authority from God. In the garden, God gave it to Adam. He said, you can do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, but don't you eat from the tree of life in the middle of the garden. You cannot do that. But he could eat anything else. Number two, and listen to me, Satan didn't have any authority over him. Number two, Adam gave away our authority to Satan. I'm telling him, I'm going to knock him right in the chops when I see him. The problem with that theory is, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be so overwhelmed by the love of God, I'll probably hug him. Something wrong with that. This guy's caused us all kind of trouble. And then lastly, Jesus purchased back our authority. See, we had authority. It was, our lease was given away. Our authority was given away. But when Jesus paid the price with his spotless blood, he gained all of that authority back. That's why now in the name of Jesus, you can cast out devils. 
In the name of Jesus, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In the name of Jesus, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no other name whereby a man may be saved but the name of Jesus. And once Jesus liberates you, the chains fall off of your ankles and you are free for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Listen, the word authority in the Greek means rightful, actual, and unimpeded power to act. So when Jesus bought back your authority, when he bought it back, he gave you the unimpeded ability to act on his behalf. It's not me. I can't act anything in my name. But when I throw down the name of Jesus, hey, listen, people in this world like to be name droppers. Well, I got a name that's above every name, and it's the name of Jesus. And even those in the spirit realm come to attention when that name is thrown down. Angels come to attention. Demons begin to flee. I'm telling you right now, you've got authority like you cannot imagine. Luke 10, 19. Are you ready? Here it goes. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. That's over devils and demons. And over all the power of the enemy. Everybody say, all. All the power of of the enemy, all the ability of the enemy. You have greater ability. It works like this. Big God, little devil. Big God, little devil. Most people in the church today, oh, the devil's been all over me. Big devil, little God. I'm telling you, when Jesus bought back your authority, when he paid the price, God is big and on the throne. The devil is little and dethroned. And I want you to know, he's not a problem for you when you use the blood and the name of Jesus. Everybody say, I have authority over the devil. Do you believe that this morning? Listen, all of heaven is backing up Jesus. That's why they, you know, when he was on the cross, the writer said he could have called legions of angels. Oh man, I listen, I'm telling you, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane last December. I love going over the Garden of Gethsemane. I love seeing that place, being there in the place where Jesus prayed. Did you know that John 14, 15, and 16 is the conversation that they had in the upper room at the Last Supper before they went? But John 17 is the prayer that Jesus prayed. John, even though he slept some, he heard that much of the prayer and he recorded it 60 years after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as though it was yesterday. He recorded that prayer. And 17 tells us, Jesus begins to pray, Father, he said, I thank you that all that you've given me, none have been lost. That's the kind of power the blood of Jesus has. That's the kind of power the kingdom of God has that none shall be lost. The only reason Judas was lost is he chose to be lost. Glory to God. Matthew 28 and 18. Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me and I give it to you. That's some good stuff. But listen to me. Authority only works when you submit to the one who's delegating the authority to you. So if you, don't, if you don't submit, you don't get it. Number five, here we go, last point. His side. So we got the back where we got the blessing of healing. We got the head, we got the blessing over our lives and removed the curse. We've got his hands that gave us economic prosperity. It, it, it literally gave us strength and the ability to do what we need to do so that we would have no insufficiency. Then we had his feet which bought back for us authority and eliminated our slavery. And then we get... To number five, which is his side. 
And we all remember this one probably as much as any one of the five that we see in the, in, in the life of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. Listen, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, I want you to know this, He gave up His life. He chose to die. When they checked Him because it was the day of preparation, they came to break His legs so they could put Him in the cave, but they found that Jesus was already dead. And so, in order to keep uh, with the Scripture, they, they pierced His side with a spear. They didn't break any of His bones. They broke the bones of the two men on the side. What a great picture it is. You've got one man scorning. You've got one man who, who is crying out for mercy. One man, Jesus says, I'll see you in paradise. The other man is in hell. Oh, can we say that here? Okay. There's some churches we can't mention hell. But hell's real and heaven's real. You believe that? Say yes. Okay, it's real. Now watch this. See, this is significant to us when they pierced his side because it not only fulfilled the scripture that not one of his bones was wrong, but it also had another point of blessing. And the difference is that this time when they pierced his side, both blood and water, everybody say blood and water, came out. It gushed from his side. So when his side was pierced, here it is. We were delivered from sin consciousness. Whew, glory to God. And a darkened mind, while it purchased for each of us a God conscience and a renewed mind to think righteously. Say, wait, that's his side. But wait a minute, saints. It had blood and water. His blood enabled humanity to have a conscience void of offense toward God. In fact, Hebrews 9, 12. I don't, do you have the ability to put that up there? I didn't put it in my scripture. I don't know if you can do that. I can read it out real quick. Hebrews 9, I want to read this to you because I want you to get this. Hebrews 9, 12. Huh? You're fast. Look at this. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. Everybody say, His blood. He entered the most holy place for all, having obtained what? An eternal redemption. And then he goes on to say that because of his blood, we have a conscience void of offense toward God. In other words, we have a pure conscience. Everybody say pure. And listen to this. Now listen. Remember, water came out. Put up Ephesians 5.26. Here we go. That he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of the water by the what? Do you realize that every time you get into the Word of God, it acts like water and washes the impurity of your mind? Because listen to me, saints. When you got saved, your spirit was renewed instantly, but your mind has to be renewed. The fact that Ephesians 4 tells us day by day, there's a renewing. A renewing, a, a renewing of our mind. And then Hebrew, I mean Romans chapter 12. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Why do you need your mind renewed? So that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How can you prove out the will of God until the word of God washes out the way of man and inserts the will of God into your mind? Washing of the water by the word. Notice, I'm telling you, it's, it's exciting. 
You cannot prove the will of God without the knowledge of the Word of God. And as we get into the Word, it washes us, causing us to walk in the manner in which God desired, performing His perfect will for our lives. I don't know about y'all, but when I got saved, my mind wasn't all filled with God thoughts. Anybody remember when you got saved? If you remember when you got saved, hold your hand up. Let me see. Oh, man, yeah. Sweet. Three days after I got saved, I was working. I was a, I was a student at the University of Mississippi when I got saved. I was an alcoholic, and I needed deliverance. I'd almost drowned. God pulled me out. And uh, so... I, I gave my heart to Jesus. They started telling me a while back, before that event happened, this guy started loving on me, telling me about Jesus. I mean, I thought he was weird at first. How many of y'all thought the first person to come and talk to you about Jesus, you thought they were weird? And I thought he was weird, you know? I thought, whew. Every time he'd come by, I'd go, thanks, you know? And then, uh, you know, I didn't know what to think about him. I grew up in a church where they told me God was mad at me all the time. He couldn't wait for me to be another bug on the windshield. Just squish. And so all of a sudden, this guy starts talking to me about the love of God. How many of you know that'll turn you? That just has, I mean, it just, it messes with you. And I mean, I'd get to where I'd be looking around to see if he was coming so I could duck somewhere and go somewhere else. But I'm so glad he stuck with me and kept telling me about the love of God. So three days after I got saved, now you got to remember, it was on a Tuesday night I got saved. I mean, I went down to a little home mission church in Oxford, Mississippi on 4th Street, Reverend Paul Kamner. There was a missionary from the Philippines preaching. He preached. He gave an altar call. I was holding on like white knuckles like you cannot imagine. And all of a sudden, I let go. I started down to the front. It was just a little small church. Only had like four or five pews in the, in, in the, in the, on the, you know, two sides. I come down the middle aisle, and I didn't even get all the way to the front. I fell on the floor and started crying like a baby crying out for Jesus to save me. Three days later, I'm working in the, at the house. I'm the house manager at, at our fraternity house. How many of you know you just don't find Jesus in a frat house? Okay? I'm sorry, it's the truth. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I, how I made it through school was I bought me a Pepsi machine from Pepsi. And I took the Pepsi sign out and turned it into a Bud machine. Some of y'all will get that in a minute. 50 cents a bud. That's how I made my money. I put it in the, in the house and guys would come. Whenever the parents would come, we'd put a big sign on it, out of order and unplug it. <laughs> Fastest way to get your education canceled. Mom to find out you're having a party, all right? So I got saved. Three days later, we're building something. We're building a retaining wall outside. I'm hammering. The hammer misses the nail and hits my thumb. And I'm here to declare to you right now, I did not say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who must be the Spirit of God. No, I want you to know there were some other things that came out of my mouth. And I never will forget, I had one of the guys stand there. He said, oh, hey, when you, I thought you got saved the other day. Listen to me, saints. Be kind to people. The only perfect guy that ever was in this earth got crucified. And people don't get their mind renewed overnight. Can you say amen? So stuff's going to happen. Just calm down. It'll be all right. Jesus is still in control. It took me a while to, to get the Word of God in to bring a change so that something else would come out. Can you say amen to that? And so there are blessings that the Lord wants you to live in.
There's a blessing of His back. And you've been made whole from sickness and disease. There's the blessing of the thorn on his head where you've been removed from the, from the curse of the law. Now the blessing of Abraham is upon your life. The blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number three, there's the blessing of the hands where you once were bound up and you, you had insufficiency and lack. When Jesus had blood flowing out of his hands, his hands produced for us victory in that area so that you and I could have an abundance in life. And then his feet were pierced and when his feet were pierced it bought back the authority that you and I needed in order to live in this life so that the devil has no place in our life and lastly then his side they pierced his side so that our mind could be renewed we could have a pure conscience toward God without a sin consciousness I don't have to worry about it I can be pure and whole when I go into the holy of holies with the blood of Jesus I can pray with a pure mind and know that my God hears me I never will forget one day I was praying in the old sanctuary over in Allgood. We were down on the floor. We used to go down and pray under the maps. Pastor Eddie had an office right across the hall from mine. He told me one time, he said, it doesn't matter where I move to. He had the office right next to mine. Then he moved across the hall from me. He said, don't matter where I move, you are the loud pastor. You probably picked that up today, huh? And so uh, uh, he said, but it doesn't matter where I go. So one day I was down there praying. I came up, went back into my office after about an hour, hour and a half of praying. He come into my office, and he goes, you've been down there praying, hadn't you? And I said, what? He said, you were down there praying. I said, well, how'd you know that? And he said, because while you were down there praying, I was in my office praying. And when I was down there praying, I was praying that God would bless, you know, what we were doing there and different things like that. And he told me, he said, while I was praying, the Lord told me, he said, Mike's on the other side of the throne praying. Y'all are praying about the same thing. I'm telling you, it's exciting to know that God loves us enough he knows your name. I tell you another instance, I was sitting by a lady's bed, she was about to die. She'd come, she'd be there for a few minutes and then she would fade out. Might be hours before she'd come back. So when she I was sitting there one day and she opened her eyes and I said, Jesse, I said, You getting ready to go to heaven? Yeah. I said, You've been talking to Jesus? Yeah. I said, uh, well, what's Jesus saying? She said, He's telling me that uh, He's prepared a place for me. It's gonna be all right. I'll depart in peace. I said, praise the Lord. I said, hey, hey, while you're at it, next time you talk to him, tell him Mike said hello. I said, we're old friends. We go back a long way. Just tell him I said hello. So she went back out, and I actually left, came back a few hours later, sitting beside her bed. Wasn't nobody else in there, no family members. She opens her eyes, and she said, Brother Mike. And I said, hey, Jesse, how are you? She said, I'm fine. I said, uh, you've been talking to Jesus? Yeah. And by the way, I told Jesus you said hello. And he said to tell you hello, he loves you. He knows your name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of y'all just need a little extra? You know what I'm talking about? It's always good when the Lord sends somebody by to tell you he knows you. But it's all because of the blood. 